Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to another Modernizer Die CFML News Edition. It's October 22nd, 2019, and I am Gavin Pickin, a software consultant for Auto Solutions. And who do we have over there? Over here we have Brad Wood, random dude, also from Auto Solutions. How you doing, Gavin? Pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> so let's get into the news, and then we'll, uh, we'll get to a recap of CF Kent, which you just uh, came back from. So first up, though, we have a, a security release for CF Wheel. So 2.0.2 uh, just released in October, uh, October 17th. So I guess it's uh, something they strongly recommend that you update um, if you're running 2.0.0 or 2.0.1. Uh, it does not affect 1.x releases, but it does have a potentially breaking change. So, you know, make sure you test this thoroughly before deploying your application. And they actually put a shout out to, uh, was it Brian Weller for bringing that to their attention? So uh, good to see that, uh, you know, community working together. And yeah, nice to see another release for CF Wheels too. Excellent. Got the link there in the chat as well. Very cool. Now, uh, I don't know if you if you saw this or not, but uh, Charlie started up the the online meetup for the Cold Fusion user group. So uh, I did see that. In fact, I was speaking with Charlie about it um, at um, CF Camp. He was cool. over there hanging out in Germany. He said he's uh, trying to get some new content. So I spoke with Charlie about several things that I might present on if I can find the time. Looks like. There's some stuff coming up with Pete, though, which looks kind of cool. Yep. So on Thursday, um, Pete's going to be doing a, a session on approaches to more secure Cold Fusion code. And for those of you who don't know, Pete Freitags, uh, he's awesome. He's like the security guru for Cold Fusion. He has a lot of great products. Ninja. ninja. Oh, even better. Yeah. But uh, so he's got a, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good products out there too. Uh, Hack my CF is uh, probably his well, most well-known uh, product, but he also has the CF docs and uh, he has cfscript.me. So if you want to change your tags to cfscript, that'll help you with that. A lot of great stuff, but he, he always scares the pants off everybody at every conference <laughs> he goes to because he shows you just how insecure your code can be and uh, gives you the, you know, easy ways to get your code more secure. Um, so. It's a pretty cool session, and it's available on meetup.com with a Cold Fusion meetup. And we have links here in the in the show notes, and Brad is going to post them into the YouTube channel as we go live yep. here as well. There's the uh, sign up there for Pete's uh, session. Yep, and then uh, Charlie, like said, he is looking for a new speaker, so uh, you can reach out to Charlie if you'd like to speak. And uh, he actually has a blog post on careheart.org about you know some frequently asked questions about wanting to be, be a speaker on here, and you know he's always looking for more contributors, and that's the reason why it actually had a, a little bit of a, uh, a hiatus, shall we say, for a while, because we had. Uh, a lot of speakers will, you know, every week for years and then basically got mm -hmm. to the point where, you know, everyone just got busy and, and I think, you know, the online thing just got a little quiet. And so he just didn't push it as much, but conference season is just sort of finishing now. So it's a good opportunity for some of those speakers to get out there and actually, you know, put that online that way there's, you know, share it with people that weren't able to make the conferences. So pretty cool yeah so if you if you presented at, uh, at cf summit in vegas or cf camp in india uh, india um <laughs> i'm kind of confusing the, the other cf summit in india uh the cf camp in germany um 
Charlie, would love to have your talks on the online meetup. It can, you know, get out to a lot broader audience than just who was in attendance. And, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a super, uh, I've talked to Charlie about this, it doesn't have to be a super structured um, talk, you know, with slides and all polished. It can just be, you know, uh, you know, 20, 30 minutes on something that's really cool you've been working on that you think would be helpful to people. Uh, Charlie's very, uh, very open about the what kind of content would be useful on, on a CF online meetup. So definitely reach out to him if you're interested in it. Very cool. Yep. Okay. So we also, uh, you know, obviously you've been at CF Camp. So Hi, Michaela Light. I have been at CF Camp. So and I I'd like to, to, yeah, find out a little more about uh, what you did there. You know, obviously uh, you had your, your pre-training conference and then the conference itself. So you want to give us an overview of what we, uh, what we all missed out on, you know? Uh, Bavarian pretzels and coffee. That is what I did there. And that is what you missed out on. <laughs> um, among other things, among other things. Yeah. I, I can't believe it's uh, my kids are already winding up with their, uh, uh Halloween costumes. Cause it kind of feels like it's still the beginning of the month. It was, you know, the end of September when I left for Vegas for CF summit. And then it was just, you know, home for a few days and then turned around and went to Germany. Um, of course I managed to, uh, to sneak in London and Paris and some castles along the way. Um, but yeah, CF Camp was a, was a huge success. There was a ton of tweets using the hashtag CF Camp um, hashtag to be to be redundant and repetitive. <laughs> uh, so if you go to Twitter and just search on that hashtag, you can find a lot of the stuff that happened. All of the um, uh, all of the slide decks for uh, for my talks were posted, and a lot of other uh, presenters posted there as well. But we had a ton of fun at CF Camp. We had the two day trainings that Ortis did. Um, Eric was there doing the test box. I was there doing the cold box here, a superhero. And then there were preside trainings and some other stuff going on ahead of time. And, uh, the biggest attendance I believe, uh, ever, I think Mishi was telling me, nice. uh, they were the conference. Yeah. And the, you know, the speakers were great. A lot of first time speakers, but the content was all, uh, top notch. There was, a uh, uh, one of the attendees came with a dog. Uh, they just walking around in all the sessions. That was awesome. Kind of became like the little mascot of the conference. Um, <laughs> a little, little uh, dog hanging out with everybody. Um, yeah. I and heard so about I'm, that ahead of time and everyone was pretty excited to hear that. They, were, they didn't care about the speaker so much, but that dog, <laughs> man, that was a big hit. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, so I mean, we had uh, we had Lucy Keynote one day talking about Lucy 6, even do a bunch of uh, live demos of stuff that's going into, like stuff that's already done in Lucy 6. We had Adobe uh, doing their keynote the, the second day, um, covering a lot of their customer um, customer highlights and some of their stuff for 2020. Uh, so the keynotes were pretty cool. And of course, you know, at lots of sessions, I did my talk on um, design patterns and then a talk on CF config when I was there. Uh, but a lot of, uh, a lot of activity, um, you know, they have like food out all the time. You're just constantly eating at CF camp <laughs> and it's really good food. You know, they have like the really nice coffee machines where you push a button and it like, you know, grinds the beans and pulls a shot of espresso and froths milk. And it's all like happens in 30 seconds. And so I would just hit those things like all day long because they were free. <laughs> you know, they had pretzels and sandwiches. Um, so it's a, it's a great, a great conference around rising. And the, the hotel has a really good bar and restaurant like right there in it. So uh, it's kind of nice to hang out with everybody and talk, you know, at night. And you don't really, uh, don't really have to travel too far to get to stuff. So I came back with a suitcase full of chocolates, um, among other things. From, uh, Ooh, uh, from I like my chocolates, so yeah. It's yeah, a- I'm trying to think if there's any other big highlights. Um, they had a couple really cool sponsors. I like how CF Camp, and this is unique to them, 
uh, they really reach outside of the cold fusion space and they pull sponsors in that are just kind of generic tech stuff. Uh, they had a sponsor there called uh, like Tuxedo Computers or something. Oh, heard um, about anyway, that. Anyway, it, yes, yeah, a company that sells like Linux-based laptops to to order. They're really like high quality stuff. It's, it's a German company. They were there with tons of swag. Uh, in fact, Kai Koenig even gave a presentation on using Linux as a development uh, machine, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And had another company whose name I forgot, but they sell like Raspberry Pi style like robots and things designed for like classrooms little mm. uh circuit boards you can plug together to make um you know electronic circuits and stuff they have, like little 3d printer pens um and that's, that's pretty cool stuff they have fun swag and they have a lot of cool products that are interesting to a technical group yeah but, so it's you know, complementary com- to the language without yeah. being yeah, yeah, yeah. S- stuck in but the, the yeah the companies themselves had nothing to do with cold fusion it was just you know really cool interesting uh stuff that they covered so those are some of the the sponsors there of course uh content cms was there preside cms was there um ortis had our booth adobe had a booth lucy had a booth so um they uh they packed a lot into there but i'm still pretty uh pretty buzzed from cf camp it was a lot of fun and i'm still slightly jet lagged because i just got home uh late saturday night so cool well i do want to ask you about like the code masters i know that last year they had one it was pretty uh, fun yeah. so how'd that go because that's it's always a big yeah hit. Yeah, so the Codemasters uh, is uh, Mark Drew and who is it? Is it Rob, Rob Dudley? Dudley? Yeah, yeah. Um, that basically did the, an after party event uh, where it's kind of like a game show kind of setup. They had uh, they had um, who was it? They had the Spice Boys, which was uh, Matt Gifford and uh, Hoost. And then on the other side, they had Team America, whatever they call themselves. <laughs> that it was uh, Nolan Irk and Charlie Earhart. And so they they all had little buzzers that made different sounds, and they had a bunch of different just goofy games like. Um, you know, trivia about uh, HTTP status codes, you know, like the 418, I'm a, I'm a little teapot status code or whatever it is. They had a trivia where they had like a pixelated picture of a presenter or a famous person, and it would like slowly get less pixelated, and whoever could buzz in and guess who the image was first would win. Um, okay, cool. And uh, the, the most fun thing about it is that the scoring is completely and totally arbitrary. Um, so... Mark and Rob would basically just add and subtract points as they saw fit. <laughs> uh, however, um, the uh, the Team America sort of uh, uh, faltered a bit, and they got kind of walked all over by uh, by Matt and Hoos. So it was still a really good time. Cool. Well, let me ask a couple of questions because I saw a bunch of tweets fly out about the Lucy um, feature. So I think Lucy yeah. 5.4, the big one I saw about that was that they're going to be compatible with the latest Adobe releases. Um, yeah, and that was more just mentioned in passing. I think I actually tweeted about that. Um, but yeah, they're saying the 5.4 uh, will hopefully include compatibility for uh, Adobe 2018. Um, ironically, it was it was it was said very generically, like they didn't want to mention the word Adobe Cold Fusion. But I mean, we all know what quote other CF eng- engines unquote <laughs> means. Um, yeah. But yeah, but there's a whole ticket of, of 2018 things, mostly new functions and things. Um, they're looking to to target with a 5.4 they spent most of their time on lucy six uh for the lucy keynote alex skinner got up and basically said uh hey become members give us money it'll make things get done faster and then (laughs) gert got up and uh talked about just uh lucy six overview kind of stuff and then misha got up um, and basically kind of did a bunch of like code demos so they're talking about um bringing uh looking some of the tweets you have in there talking about introducing like a cfs extension um, which would be kind of like a CFM, but you wouldn't have to put CF script tags in it. It would just be uh, script by default. Okay. Um, that's kind of cool. I don't personally think I'd ever use it. 
um, because I already just put script in my CFCs and usually I only use CFMs for views, in which case I actually want tags. Yeah. Uh, but still, uh, for some people, I think they use a lot of CFMs and they want to be able to just put pure business logic in it. Uh, what was much more interesting was the ability in Lucy 6 to write a function, like a UDF, right alongside your CFML code, but you basically tag it as being a Java function mm -hmm. and you just write pure Java code inside of it. Um, and I'm not talking about like create object Java. I mean, just like actual Java code you'd pass to a Java compiler. And then at runtime, Lucy just compiles that directly into a native Java function. So if you have some like really low level stuff, you just want to do directly in Java and performance is absolutely paramount. Instead of having to write a separate Java file, have a separate build process that compiles that down to a jar or a class file, having class loading that, you can just write a pure Java function right there alongside your CFML, and a Lucy compiler will just compile it right alongside the rest of your code. That's cool. Um, it doesn't just, you just have to do function type equals Java, right? And that's all you need. Yeah, I talked to Misha about the type. I don't like the word type. I think it's too generic. I suggested maybe they make it language or something. But yeah, in his examples, it was type equals. They also had some really interesting stuff that I don't know if I'd personally use it, but I, I can see the use cases. Uh, right now, you can do script and tags, obviously, with the CF script tag. But if you're in a script CFC and, and you're like, oh, man, I really wish I could just put like a tag um, in the middle of this, there's no way to like do the opposite. So they talked about having a syntax where you have like three back ticks, sort of like how you uh, declare code blocks in, in Markdown. Yeah, exactly. And so, in, yeah, you start and end a block with back ticks and then you just stick tags inside of it. Yeah, um, for all those people who hate writing queries in script, that would be yeah, exactly. the, the yeah. perfect example you, of a use case. You for could it, have a DAO, but it's a script CFC, and you could throw a CF query tag like right in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, so that'll probably throw all the uh, all the the code highlighters for a loop um, a bit. <laughs> to like get updated. Uh, and then one of the other really cool things that Lucy talked about was having um, having listeners for things like CF query or CF mail. So you can declare a, a function or a CFC that listens to like a before and after, kind of like AOP for tags. So before the CF query executes, you could access what the SQL statement's going to be and maybe modify it on the fly or change the incoming parameters. And then uh, after the CF query executes, you could get access to the result and provide some kind of transformation on top of it. Um, it would yeah. be sort of like seamless. I saw Eric uh, tweet something about this saying that he kind of already does this type of thing with uh, Quick and QB. So he's he's liking the, you know, this native approach. So, Well, yeah, I, I had sent a tweet saying it'd be interesting to have like a preprocessor. You'd put a DSL inside of a CF query and then it would like convert that to SQL. And Eric was like, yeah, you mean like QB? <laughs> That's <Yeah>. exactly <laughs> what he already does. Um, I mean, there's probably a lot of use cases. Um, they had some async stuff. Or if you want to run a query and it's maybe just like a logging insert and you don't need to wait for it to complete, uh, you can just stick like async equals true, I think it was, and the query tag. And it would be the equivalent of just wrapping it in a CF thread, fire and forget kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of, uh, of Java interoperability. Um, the ability to take, uh, you know, like closures and pass them into a Java library that expects a Java Lambda and have it just convert that for you. Also, uh, the need to use create dynamic proxy. Um, from my understanding, unless I'm misunderstanding it, I believe that you really wouldn't need to use Create Dynamic Proxy anymore, which if you're not familiar with that, it allows you to take a CFC that implements a particular Java interface, and then uh, the Create Dynamic Proxy method will create like a Java class that is actually your CFC, but it looks like a Java CFC implementing an interface. Um, with some additional metadata in your CFC, you can just do that just naturally without needing to use Create Dynamic Proxy now. So you have a CFC, 
you have some sort of like Java implements equals and you, you tell Lucy what Java interface that your CFC implements. And then you can just use that CFC instance directly as though we're an instance of a Java class implementing an interface. Um, so I think just kind of trying to smooth over a lot of the rough edges using, uh, you know, CFML alongside Java libraries. So, yeah, and it's a common use case. I mean, I know that, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric Peterson was messing with, uh, some GraphQL stuff as a proof of concept, uh, right before CF mm-hmm. Summit. And he was having to deal with all that dynamic proxies. And, and when he saw this, <laughs> he's like, Oh, where was this two weeks ago? <laughs> so, yeah, but it sounds like they're definitely, you know, attacking some common use cases that people run into and, you know, listening to some of those things. And, yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're if you guys are using Lucy and not paying Adobe, you know, I, I talked to a client yesterday and they're you know talking about licensing fees for a couple of little things. I'm like, well, it's better than paying ten grand for an Adobe license, right? So if you guys are using Lucy, you know, think about contributing something back to it, and you know, it helps you know move the language along, and you know, put in those tickets when you find something that you don't like or isn't compatible, and you know, this all make Lucy a little better. So, but uh, it sounds like they've got a lot of cool things on their roadmap. And uh, do they give you a, an idea of when Lucy 6 will be coming out? Any ideas? No, that's one thing that I didn't hear them touch at all. Unless they said it and I didn't hear it, okay. um, I didn't hear any kind of deadline stuff for Lucy 6. So I think it's still pretty um, early in planning. Okay. Cool, cool. But uh, so obviously, uh, a few people said that they missed uh, seeing Luis at CF Camp. And uh, he, he said he also missed it too. But, uh, He's planning on being there next year for sure. But I think this year, uh, the anniversary with the wife won out, and that's why they're, we're on that side of the world and he did the India training. But speaking of Luis, so uh, I heard that his Bangalore India training uh, was a big success. Um, he had uh, quite yeah. a few uh, pitches in there with the group. They even made it over to the Adobe office and stuff. Uh, so he got to see Rakshif and some of the Adobe team, some of the ones that weren't at uh, CF Camp. Because obviously, yeah, it's the same Luis time. sent some cool pictures of the uh, of the Adobe office there in Bangalore. So yep, I'm a little jealous. Yep, I'm jelly. But he uh, he said that it was a, a great class. It was bright, fun. They're all you know, bright, fun, and talented uh, developers. And he said a lot of he had a lot of fun. He's planning to go back and do that superhero uh, API version because obviously now they're all uh, heroes after doing the zero to hero training. So I'll have to go back and uh, he had a, in a nice big group and that sounded like he had a, a great time and everybody enjoyed it. So pretty cool. So um, one more thing in our news. So if you guys haven't listened to the last couple of episodes, we've been talking about Hacktoberfest. So uh, we've, we mentioned a couple more times. You got another week in a bit to get your uh, four pull requests in to any GitHub repo, which is public. Uh, if you, as long as you're not uh, blacklisted as having an invalid pull request, you qualify to earn basically a free T-shirt from DigitalOcean and and Dev.2, which is the two main sponsors behind Hacktoberfest this year. So um, I know that you took a couple of pictures, actually, of some people wearing them at the pre-conference at CF Camp. <laughs> yeah, I saw a handful of the Hacktoberfest shirts uh, floating around there, so that's yep. pretty cool. I think Eric and Hoos both had one on. Yep, I got one right here. I was going to wear it today, but you couldn't see it anyway, so. <laughs> Stand up from behind your desk, man. <laughs> so, yep, but uh, Hacktoberfest basically is just a, a big open source, uh, you know, initiative to really push it, push open source, get people in there contributing to different projects around the place. Uh, you know, it's for all background levels, skill, etc. And, you know, 
Andrew Davis last week mentioned that we should basically call it Doctoberfest because the best way to get started with anything is just, you know, pull up some documentation and, and add to it. So autistbooks.com. <laughs> we've got a ton of books there. I'm sure you've read some of the documentation at some point for one of the things, even if it's command box, but they're all GitHub repos. So you can go in and make a pull request and that can be one of your, one of your four. And then yeah, if you get your four pull requests in and you sign up at hectoberfest.digitalocean.com, uh, it'll track those for you automatically. And then they'll send you an email saying, Hey, uh, basically what size t-shirt, where do you live? And they'll send you out your t-shirt. So it's pretty cool. You get a few stickers too. And everyone loves stickers, right? So if you bought a hard copy of the modern CFML book in a hundred minutes and you send a pull request to our Git repo, will your hard copy automatically update? Cause that would be super sweet. <laughs> no, I wish, but, uh, have like re- have like real life web sockets with a physical book in your hand just like refreshes. Now we'll send you out a post-it note. You can just stick it over the top. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you a sticker that you can like put over it. I've seen that in some books. <laughs> I've seen it on like packages to the grocery store, you know, the ingredients list, they change and you're like, never mind, use this thing. Yeah, too funny. So, but yep, so Hacktoberfest is pretty good. Um, if you guys haven't signed up yet, go sign up. You still got time. And it's just four simple pull requests and CF Docs is a good place to, to do that. Um, Pete Freitag has a, a blog post about how to be a, a, a helpful contributor. Um, so go ahead and read that as well. But yeah, um, we've gotten quite a few pulls uh, that I've seen for some of the order stuff. I've gotten a lot of documentation updates. I've even gotten some new, like really good features added to CF config. Um, now I don't know if everybody's doing it for Hacktoberfest. Some people might just be doing it for just cause they want to do it, but I hope they're signed up for Hacktoberfest cause I've seen a lot of pulls come through. Yep. So, I mean, if you've done pull requests already and you sign up today, you might already be done. That's how I mean, it keeps track of them during that time period, no True. matter when you sign up. So, and it takes, takes a second. All you do is click your uh, GitHub account, uh, you know, do the OAuth login or whatever, and away you go. So quick and easy and, you know, free t-shirt. And then you can show them off at the next conference. Speaking of next conferences. So we've, uh, we've wrapped up quite a few, but there are still a couple left in this conference season. The, the big one being CF Summit India. So if you are in India or are close to it, CF Summit India is actually complimentary. So it's free, which is kind of a cool thing. So, um, for those of you that went to CF Summit in Vegas, it was pretty cheap. It was in $99. They kept the early bird the whole time. But if you go to the India one, it is free. And this one's just a one day, but, um, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, it's set up for designers, developers, and, you know, strategists. Um, they got all the experts and the engineers. You get probably get more engineers than they had at CF Summit because that's where their main office is in there. And I think it's in Bengaluru, if, if I'm pronouncing it right. So, um, you guys can get to see the, the Adobe office there and, and get to hang out with everybody. So that's in December, right? Yep. December 7th. So got a little bit of time to make some arrangements. Uh, maybe get an early Christmas vacation and hit to India for some, uh, some free training. Um, but a free conference can't say anything wrong about that. Yeah, there's so. the link for the uh, CF Summit India, Bangalore. Cool, cool. And then uh, the next one on the conference list that I'm aware of, um, called Fusion related anyway, is Into the Box 2020. Woo-hoo. So we've got the dates already. So it's May 6th to 8th and. 2020 so got about six seven months away so um we're we already started working on planning the call for speakers will be announced soon probably later in uh later in november we usually try and get the speakers all set up by the end of the year so um if you're you know if you haven't spoken before uh, it's a good opportunity to try and you know 
make your stamp on the cold fusion community and contribute. Um, make your mark. Yep. But eh, don't be shy. You know, like CF Camp had a lot of new speakers and they produce good stuff. So, you know, if you're, if you got an idea or something and, you know, submit it. And if you need help, we can try and help, you know, help you with the talk as well. Uh, you know, like I said, Charlie can, you know, even do a, a meetup so you can actually present it to a test one. If you've got user groups in your area, those are good too for practice. Um, you know, or even record yourself speaking on your computer and then watch it back later and make some, you know, hints and tips so you can uh, try and improve it. But, but yeah, we're always looking for new, new topics and they don't have to be box related. So, you know, common misconception, right? Brad into the box yep. is not just box products. That's right. Anything relevant to cold fusion developers, which could be Nginx or Docker, you name it. Yep. And we had, we always have uh, a few people from, from other companies coming too, because uh, Kevin Jones is from Nginx. He always comes and shows us the coolest stuff they've been doing. Mm-hmm. We had people from Couchbase in the past talking about their caching stuff. So and the guy from Portainer, he came all the way from Australia. Yep. What was his name? No, from New Zealand. Neil. Oh, New Zealand. Neil. Yeah, yeah. he's a Kiwi. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but uh, yeah, so early bird tickets we'll probably have available later in the the year. But uh, you know, put that on your calendar, May six to eight. Um, book that one. It's one of the you know good conferences before summer, and then after summer we usually have uh, you know CF Camp, CF Summit, etc. So definitely, yeah. you know, there's also some uh, some talk about a uh, an end of the box Latin America edition. So I don't know exactly where we're at on that, but let us know if that's something you're interested in. It would probably be um, in El Salvador if it were to happen. So. Yep, I believe that's that's planned for early December as well. They're trying to get the every all the marketing materials out and running for that, so we should have dates very soon for that. But uh, thanks for reminding me there, Brad. But yep. uh, I know that they're working on uh, swag and getting the presenters ready. But if I believe, I thought it was um, yeah the first week in December. I thought December fifth for some reason, but we'll give you the the information as we get it and get that out to you. So uh, other than all the tweets and videos and blogs from CF Camp, there was a, a lot of other stuff too. So let's get into that. So uh, first one, this one just happened this morning, actually. So James Moberg from, uh, or at Games Over, tweeted about the Cold Fusion forums. So, oh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, so it looks like uh, Cold Fusion was listed number five on the front page of the <laughs> Adobe Community Forums. Yeah, and guess- so it's sorted, it's sorted based on how many topics or conversations are in each forum. Nice. Um, so basically, there's been more more topics in the Cold Fusion Adobe Forum than there has been in the Photoshop one. Um, well, yeah, so above Photoshop yeah. and below Acrobat and Flash Player. Yeah. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Below Flash. <laughs> but so, I, guess. Uh, I mean, when, when the when the new forums came out, I didn't even think Cold Fusion was on the front page. Nope. And you had to click on like uh, print. What was it? Yeah, print and publishing or something to find it. And everybody was like, "What?" Um, and so now they've kind of just like sorted them um, based on the actually the most active ones. And the Cold Fusion forum is is one of the more active ones that Adobe has, which is uh, pretty cool. So. Yeah, I know that we, uh, several people talked to the Adobe team at CF Summit, and they said they were going to make some changes. And I believe before we left CF Summit, we were on the homepage somewhere. And then obviously this change here means we moved up the list even more. So. Yeah, and James just tweeted that today. Uh, but uh, Sarov actually said it's been that way for about a month now. So they actually made that change quite a while ago. He just put that on Twitter about 10 minutes ago. Okay. 
Cool, cool. So there you go. This is so news is so fresh it wasn't even on our list. <laughs> I know. We're like we're live podcasting Twitter as it streams. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> There's probably a Twitch for that. There uh, should be a twenty four like a twenty four seven podcast where people just sit and just read Twitter streams. Yeah, that'd be, like, be interesting. Yeah. Audible Twitter. Too busy to read your own Twitter. We'll read it to you. <laughs> it's probably a market for that. Uh, we also had a blog from Fusion Reactor um, talking about requests from the Adobe Performance Monitoring Toolset that are showing up in Fusion Reactor. So a lot of people were seeing these weird requests. They weren't sure what they were. Um, they found out they were basically the Performance Monitoring Toolset, the health check. So it's not a big deal. It's not going to you know impact your performance or anything. But with Fusion Reactor, you know you see the last so many you know transactions or whatnot. So if your health check is too frequent, uh, it was basically pushing away all the other stuff you actually wanted to monitor. So the blog post gives you some uh-huh. um, tips on how to get in there and uh, you know make some adjustments. Maybe adjusting your health check time would would be one of the the big things to look at. But um, so yeah. I can see both sides of that because I can see people being like, I just want to completely filter that out. You know, I don't want it clogging in my results. But I've also actually seen, you know, health check ping sometimes be a source of performance issues. And so sometimes it's actually nice to be able to see all those health check pings and how often they're coming, especially if they're processing any kind of cold fusion content. So, yeah. And, and the other thing too is if your health check is failing or erring, it's nice to be able to go into your fusion director and see what's going on too. Because a lot of times exactly, with health check with yeah. Docker, you know, the Docker instance shuts down and a new one spins up and you're like, why did it shut down? You got to go figure it out. Go <laughs> trying to find the logs, and so obviously, if this disappears quickly, then it may not be helpful. But this allows you to at least watch them and keep an eye out. But it was interesting. So, um, just a little blog there, and then uh, Matt Giffis was talking about the uh, CF Camp 2019. So, if you didn't like Brad's summary and overview here, he's got a blog uh, talking about his time there as well. So. Um, he gives mm-hmm. pretty decent detail, walks through it. Um, you know, it's always nice to see different people's uh, opinions. I think as, sur- as soon as uh, Nolan gets off his jet lag, I'm sure he'll be uh, <laughs> posting a few more. Uh, he Nolan has already- was on the same on the same flight back to. Uh, I went through Houston on my way to Kansas City, and Nolan was on the same flight from Munich to Houston, but on his way to Sacramento. So. Cool, cool. It's like he was just following me all the way home, all the way through border <laughs> security and customs and security. I'd look up and there's Nolan with this giant shrimp shaped fellow that he has. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Cause yeah, he did release um, one blog post, basically a CF camp notes on the Lucy five, four and six with uh Gert and Michael. So if you want to look there, uh, he has some, some pretty good notes on that. If you want a little more detail. Um, so he goes through that and that's where I got some of my notes for the, the Lucy piece previously. Uh, it's always nice. And like I said, I'm sure he has a lot more notes. He'll be publishing as he gets, uh, time and probably do a nice recap as well. Uh, that's one thing you can always count on with Nolan. Lots of great content after these conferences. Um, also we had a blog post from Ben Adele. So, uh, he's continuing on with his Redis key scanner. And so he's been looking at ways to, you know, using regex to filter the keys. So just a little uh, app that he's building. It's kind of nice, um, but he's gone through and actually done some uh, regex stuff just to narrow down the keys uh, to move through the list, etc. So pretty cool. Um, um, yeah, if you just use Catchbase, he'd just have a built-in nice little web UI that would let him view all the keys. <laughs> yeah, I think he had one. He's having you issues. Using Redis, sucker. Yeah, no, the the Redis one, uh, I think, has got a nice little UI as well, but he was looking at how the keys were just 
teaming up and you know and ben always likes to play he likes to experiment and pull things apart and so he was looking at the the jittis you know java library for it and Ooh, look at ben's code here using arrow functions mm-hmm. of course but yeah. this is familiar to javascript he probably writes those in his sleep but it's nice to see uh <laughs> uh cold fusion code actually uh using that it's cool Yep. So yeah, I've liked his little series on this Redis stuff. And uh, so there's another one there to, to follow up on the previous articles we talked about last week too. Uh, we had another one from Fusion Reactor. Nice. So they're busy releasing some content. So Neil Wyman, I guess it is. He was talking about a, an interesting era where the runtime service was not available for Cold Fusion 2018. And he got this weird error they hadn't seen in forever, but I guess in his app, he was using, um, his sessions were pointing at Redis, but he was no longer running the Redis, uh, installation. So he'd removed it. Mm. And instead of just throwing an error, the whole entire engine could not load. So well, that, because Cold Fusion was that, set up to look for Redis for storing sessions, the Cold Fusion engine didn't load at all. So he had to go yeah. into his, uh, XML files. Unfortunately, and a little there. typical of Adobe Cold Fusion is anything that goes south during startup will just completely crash the the internal engine and then you'll just get these really generic runtime services not available and you're like what does that mean you have to kind of dig through the logs to find the the root cause that's a good blog though because yep i was thinking someone else is bound to run into something like that so this gives you an idea where to look and so i just thought i'd throw it out there i'm sure that uh yeah you'll need this at some point you will need this someday sometime Yep. And then uh, another Fusion Reactor blog post. <laughs> they were busy. Um, and Dang. so they're talking about how a lockdown server can actually make it so system metrics are unavailable. So there's actually um, a, a little button in there for um, the system metrics, and that's no longer visible when you're running against a, a lockdown Cold Fusion server. So one of those things you might think is a bug or doing something weird, but yeah, it's just lockdown servers actually lock down some of that uh, ability to for fusion reactor to get in there and look at that information so all right cool and we had a tweet about uh something close to your hot command box <laughs> so i mean i'm sure you saw it too but paul clinkerman or frinky uh said Clinken- that is clinkenberg clinkenberg he said i've it was never awesome. actually said his name out loud i've only read it that's weird <laughs> Sorry, yeah, go that's on. Okay. But he was just saying it was awesome how he saw a command box being used in like every CF camp presentation. And he goes, it rocks. And, you know, we might be biased, but we believe so too. So, yep. Yep. Um, then, yeah, the cool thing was, I think CF Summit had a pretty good coverage too. So we had a lot of good stuff going on there. Um, so. There we go. Is our stream still live? My, uh, I had it open in a window here, and it just showed us being ended. Did this me? Uh, it might have cut out, but we'll just keep recording, and we'll have to make everybody right. watch it later. There you go. Yep. So, sorry for those watching live. We're gone. <laughs> um, but, uh, so we had another tweet from uh, Nolan. Um, yeah, so this is him talking about the friendly dog walking around, hanging out with, in the sessions. Um, so... He says it was pretty cool. You know, a lot of people dog people. And so they had a lot of fun with that, as you mentioned. And they said, as an added bonus, the preside platform API head talk had lots of dog photos. So, <laughs> yeah, I actually worked some, uh, some dog examples into my design patterns talk just because I've seen all these tweets and everybody was using dog memes and dog examples. So I had to, I felt the pressure. I had to conform. Yep. 
I know. So much the old days where cats were everywhere, and now it's dogs. What are we coming to? Well, Benidel also uh, talked about some uh, some remote work. So it was a non-coding one. He was actually asked to speak at a, a talk at Kurtosis. I'm not sure what that is. Um, but he basically talked about the journey of Envision. And so one Kurtosis. of the things he talked about mm-hmm. was remote work increases intimacy and amplifies a shared sense of humanity. So a lot of people, you know, talk about remote work being the opposite, you know, where basically you lose people mm-hmm. and you don't, you know, you get lonely. And that's why a lot of people use co-working spaces and stuff to try and combat it. And, you know, Audis obviously is a remote company. Almost everybody works remotely. The only ones that don't, I think, is El Salvadorian offices, you know, a group of them work together in the office there. Um, but... But yeah, so it was kind of interesting. You know, he talked about how when you do video uh, chat and everything that you're actually like in the person's office, you sort of like in their space, in their home that, you know, they've got to customize it. So actually get some intimacy. And when you're talking to people one-on-one, like you're not just having a big meeting, it's very one-on-one. So you actually get to know people better. And, you know, he said it's kind of, it's kind of different. And also talking about, you know, things like Slack, how it can be a repository of like little wins and bonuses and, and stuff like that. So a lot of things that are lost in the water cooler or, you know, just random stuff kind of show up and uh, get stuck basically in, in your Slack channel. So it's got a little history and, you know, you can all sort of share, you know, in those little wins together where sometimes you'd be left out. So, Provided you pay for your Slack team, you don't lose <laughs> messages past ten thousand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, but yeah, it was just you know, just a different side of things and whatever, and you know, it just sort of talks about some of the 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 benefits of remote work that maybe sometimes aren't seen. So that's it was kind of interesting. So a nice little blog post there. That's cool. Yeah. And then uh, we have Matt Gifford's um, blog post about ba- breaking out of script into tags and back again. So that was the yeah. feature you talked about with the, the mark. Yeah, I mentioned blocks. that earlier. Misha actually said that it works like in levels deep. You can have a script block and then put a tag block inside of it and put a script block inside of that and put a tag block inside of that and so on and so on and so on. And the the, the Lucy parser will, will handle all that correctly. Wow. Uh, Misha said that he tried it after he read the feature just to see if it actually worked, you know, many levels deep and it, and it totally worked. So. Uh, I'm wondering if someone's going to figure out how many levels it works too. <laughs> Eventually there's going to be a stack overflow in there. Exactly. Somewhere, but yep. <laughs> um, it's pretty cool though. Cool. So yeah, so he just, you know, ran through it has a couple of nice examples. So maybe you can see it visually if you're not, you know, visually seeing those back ticks that we talked about. So, so, yep. And then um, we obviously had your tweet, which is one of, probably one of my favorites from uh CF camp about the district kid sign. So the- yeah, and I, I've I've heard of DistroKid for a while. Um, they're a, a big kind of distributor of music, and they used to run on Rilo back in the day. And then after the Lucy fork, uh, you know, they'd converted over to Lucy. But I know they're really a massive site. They're probably you know one of the, the largest sites running on Lucy, other than uh, well, I mean, I don't know, there's probably a lot of Lucy sites I don't know about. But out of the ones I've heard about, um, other than maybe like that NASA Mars rover site, um, this is probably one of the biggest ones that I know of, just off the top of my head. But yeah. um, I know uh, I didn't show it in the picture on the tweet, but uh, down at the bottom it has a bunch of names of uh, you know Mark Drew, Gert Franz, uh, Misha Offner. They're all working directly with DistroKid, uh, so they got a lot of uh, a big name uh, CF people. And that they didn't really have a booth per se, but they did have like this giant banner up. So that's pretty cool, just knowing that DistroKid is a really large, uh, successful you know website 
out there in the internet and it's totally running off Lucy. Yeah, the largest distributor of music in the world runs on top of Lucy server, and that's what the um, picture read. One of the keynote slides uh, talked about some of the. Well, sorry, so I think DistroKid is becoming a Lucy member if they're not already. And one of the keynote slides talked about, if I'm recalling this correctly, somebody can correct me otherwise if I misremembered it, uh, that DistroKid was going to be supplying, I think, like a, a, a dedicated Java developer or uh, development resource oh, um, wow. to help move things along with Lucy. There was a couple. Um, a couple member companies were going to try to step up and help kind of uh, contribute some development resources, uh, which is kind of cool. Another, That's very another cool. plus for DistroKid. Yeah, one of the other companies was um, 1024. I don't know if they're a Lucy member off the top of my head, but I, they were allegedly going to be taking over the Hibernate extension to try to help keep that moving forward. So I oh, love seeing cool. these, you know, these companies that have a lot going for them that use Lucy, uh, you know, kind of stepping up and, and contributing sort of, you know, hard development hours to to improve the parts of Lucy that they care about. And a lot of Lucy 6 features actually, you know, on that note were were sponsored features, things that clients basically paid for that, you know, worked their way into mainstream Lucy. So that's actually, you know, a really good model, I think. Cool. Yeah. And um, for those of you who don't know, if you go to opencollective.com slash Lucy, you can see a lot of the contributors. You'll see a list of the individuals, the companies, and um, you can actually contribute right there. It gives you the breakdown of different packages and it shows sort of some of the numbers too. Like it's, it's really is open. It shows who's paid how much for what. And it's kind of, you know, surprising, but interesting at the same time, you know, that way it's open source and it's open financial. So talks about how much money they're, they've bought in so far for the year and uh, how much you know more they're hoping to get to you know pay the way so um yeah i mean they've got donations for one times they've got individual supporters for starting at 10 bucks a month uh, 100 bucks a month um so yeah so we've got all the different plans all the way up to the last member which is 5.99 a month and then you get actually votes i believe right Brad? is that how it works if you're a last member because you can vote on certain things and Really contribute. Yeah, so last membership gives you uh, additional benefits on top of just being a supporter. So you can, you know, give any any amount of money, you know, ten dollars to two hundred dollars, um, you know, a month to to Lucy to last, um, and uh, you know that money goes to help support the development. But if you're a Lucy member, which is a specific level of uh, of donation, it's like five ninety nine a month, um, then you can actually be on the board and you get a vote in in what in the actual direction of Lucy as a, as an organization. So they're definitely doing a big push for more member companies. Um, Cause like Alex said in the Lucy keynote, really the, the, one of the just absolute biggest limiting factors for Lucy right now is just pure lack of funds. Um, you know, they have a backlog bigger than you can imagine. Um, and they just don't have funding to be able to uh, push the developers into it right now. So, you know, if you're if you got a company and you're making money and you're using Lucy for free, and your app makes you a lot of money, just you know, consider putting some of that back into into Lucy's server because that's that's really you know kind of the biggest thing they need right now to be able to push forward with uh with fixes and new features. Yeah, for sure. I mean, think about it. I mean, the amount of money that you could be spending on Adobe licenses. I mean, every little bit counts, right? So um, throwing something yep. at Lucy's gonna you know help one way or the other. So. I mean, in the end, there's, you know, a few developers working on it and, you know, we're just trying to cover their wages and yeah, but there is a pretty big backlog <laughs> built up right now. A lot of the things are little things, but, you know, some of those things are, you know, life-changing, breaking changes for other people. So, 
Uh, I know that you said with command box is something you need before you can uh, get the command box running on the latest version of Lucy. So, um, you know, our best and brightest tools are running on it. So, okay, well, enough about uh, that. Let's talk about some CFML jobs. So um, we had a ColdFusion developer at Senior Market Sales in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, so they're looking for a ColdFusion developer for, um, yeah, basically they're looking for, you know, strong, uh, you know, strong developer to join their strong team. So that's full-time and that's available on the getcfmljobs.com site. And then there's a ColdFusion developer that was listed uh, for tech partners in Boynton Beach. Um, some of these names in Florida confuse me. It must be the foreigner side of me, but uh, <laughs> in Boca Raton, Florida. So um, looking for a responsible, uh, you know, responsible developer to be responsible for the full-time software development lifecycle, including meeting with users, requirements, designing systems, coding, source control, creating, executing test plans, deployment, quality insurance. So, you know, a full, full lifecycle developer there. Um, and so if you're interested in that, that's on getcfmljobs.com as well. Cool. So, and there's uh, there's always more listed on that on the site getcfmljobs.com, and it does compile lots of different um, sites into just Cold Fusion related ones. So, if you guys are looking for a job, that's definitely a great place to go. And I saw a, a little typo on that, and I uh, put a uh, message out to the the owner of that site, um, and he fixed it within a day. So, it's, you know, he's nice and responsive. It's a Cold Fusion built site, you know, trying to help developers. So, uh, yeah, so. Very cool. Awesome. Okay, so let's get on to the ForgeBox module of the week. Um, so this is one that we've talked about lots of times, but haven't actually spotlighted. So we've mentioned <laughs> Quick before, but this time we're going to talk about QB, which is Query Builder. Uh, and Query Builder is a fluent Query Builder for Cold Fusion. It's heavily inspired by Eloquent from Laravel. So that's a pretty cool tool. I mean, have you used it much yet, Brad, or you're sticking to your old school SQL? QB, um, I've used it, but I've just been recently that I really dug much into it. I've been familiar with it for a while. Um, I started using it um, recently on some client stuff, and our um, cold box here at a superhero training actually used QB for all the database stuff, which is kind of cool. So it's yep. got a lot of uh, nice things in there. Um, there's definitely a, a point if you use a lot of the, I've noticed personally, if you use a lot of the um, native functions in your, in your, SQL in your database engine, like with SQL server, I tend to use a lot of aggregate functions, um, you know, and just like dedicated SQL functions for extracting like year and month out of uh, date time values um, and things of that nature. You'll kind of, you'll hit a limit of what QB can do for you and you can still make it work. You have to, you know, say like, here's a raw chunk. Um, so I've definitely found some limitations, but for just really basic stuff, um, it's really nice and readable and it, it reads a lot better in script than trying to do a CF query in script. So, it's definitely yeah. uh, definitely fun to play around with. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the big plus for it is it abstracts away those differences between the database engines, so you can you know more easily switch. And for our um, you know our workshops, it's great because we usually run everything in MySQL because it's free and we can easily get it. But then if everything's written in QB and we go give the person and say, okay, 
here's the code. You guys can go home and run this on your MySQL server now. It should all work. Uh, when we first did it, we did, you know, query execute for a lot of the stuff. And then we'd had all sorts of problems, you know, getting people to run it at home on MySQL. So the more we use query builder, the better it became. But I mean, the really, the big thing I like about it is you can make really complex, complex and out of order queries easier. You know, I don't know how many times you've written a query and you've got like this little if statement up the top where it joins these tables if something is passed into your search. And then, you know, then you've got your where statements that you have to put this if around. And then you've got your order buys with this if around. And, you know, so with Query Builder, you can just say, you know, where from this, whatever, it can be one if block, it can be out of order. And then when Query Builder builds the query, it puts it in the right order, it puts all the pieces together for you. So uh, it's pretty neat. Um, just box install QB to get running. There's an orders book for it. So qb.ordersbooks.com. Um, it's, it's pretty neat. Um, uh, go check out some of the examples and everything. And, um, it's just like hyper is for CF HTTP, you know, so you can just write your query, uh, nice and simply. And it's got that real nice, simple function DSL where everything's pretty smooth. So it's pretty cool. And then I know that Eric is working on a, a big release. He's done a ton of work at, we were up till two o'clock most nights to see if some he was cracking away on uh, QB, knocking all the tickets out. So, uh, I think he's gearing up for, I think version seven should be released pretty soon here. So thanks. So, yeah. Yep. And I, I, you mentioned quick earlier, in case it wasn't clear, QB is basically what powers quick. Um, so the, the quick ORM is kind of made possible by, QB, which both does, you know, your select update, delete kind of insert statements, as well as your uh, create table, drop table, add column kind of statements as well. So, yep, it's, the schema. Yeah. it's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, so definitely check it out. And um, if you want to just have a quick overview of what it is and you can't find anything on quick, if you look up Eloquent from Laravel, I'm sure on Laracast, they have a few videos on Eloquent, and basically it's the Cold Fusion version of that. So, um, and we were debating at CF Camp how you're supposed to pronounce Laravel. Is it like Laravel or Laravel? I don't even know what's supposed to be the right way. Yeah, Laravel, Laravel. <laughs> Not a big deal. I mean, it depends. Potato, I mean, potato. a lot of the people from Laravel seem to be from uh, Canada. I listened to a couple of podcasts oh, really? from there, and they say J. 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 Like JavaScript. Oh, <laughs> like even I think it sounds weird. Oh yeah, See, Jabba, now, now Jabba, I'm, I'm JavaScript, self- not JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm self-conscious every time I say Laravel now because I'm like, gosh, am I saying it right or wrong? I don't know. Yeah. So stressful. Well, if you ask a Cold Fusion developer, it's a PHP framework, so you shouldn't talk about it. But <laughs> Yeah, they were definitely throwing shade at PHP at the Codemasters of CF Camp. Yeah. I, I got to admit, they, though, Laravel's got a lot of cool tools, and Eric Peterson, you know, a lot of he gets a lot of great ideas for a lot of his modules from Laracast. It's a great, you know, just a great set of tools that they have with Laravel, and you know, quite a few tools that were were built over here. Eric's basically, you know, brought them over and built a Cold Fusion version of it, and you know, they got some. They've got some pretty smart people working on their stuff. And so, you know, it would be wrong for us to just ignore everything PHP. Just, you know, obviously we're not writing PHP, but we can learn lessons from other languages and frameworks. So we do. Okay. Now we're going to talk about the JS code hints and tips of the week. So for this one, uh, it's one that I've got and uh, I've used it a little bit. And it's just a really cool little tool for working with JSON. It's called JSON Transform. Um, the cool thing about it is, is it's basically, um, it ties into the J, JMES path 
library, which is a query language for JSON. So I hadn't really seen much of this, but what it allows you to do is basically have a JSON file open and you can run the command to, to basically start this JSON transform. And then it has this little syntax for how to query it. So if you do like um, square brackets and do the number one, you're basically going to get the first item in that JSON array. If you want the second item, you do number two. If you want the first two items, you do colon two. And if you just want one key out of it, you can just do dot name after the square brackets and it'll just give you back the name field. And there's all sorts of different ways you can transform it with this really simple little, uh, you know, little query language basically. And if you go to jmespath.org, they have a tutorial there on how to use it. But the, it's just a nice little way if you've got a chunk of code, like if you're working with APIs and you pull something down, you're like, wait a minute, something's not right here. Something's messing up. You can just basically pop open this little transformer and say, hey, just show me all the usernames in this list. I want the first 10. And then it will pull up just that key. And it's kind of neat. And if you've got a huge old JSON file, uh, it can make it much easier for filtering it through. So I think it's pretty cool. cool. Have you seen that one before? No, I haven't seen that one. So I'm just trying to figure out the syntax of of all the things you can type. Yeah. Um, so you said, a, I was just thinking for simple stuff, like just getting a particular key out of something, or if you wanted to, you know, just get the first row or the second row. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different stuff. And like I say, you can slice it. Um, you know, you can say, Hey, I want between the fifth and the 10th rows, you know, so it can pull them back, but that's pretty neat. So um, the sort of range syntax that shows where like, if you have a, an array of structs, or an array of objects, if you will. And you type, you know, inside of square brackets, colon two, and it gives you the first and second, it looks like. Yep. I'm curious, is that something that uh, that a, a common language actually supports? Or is that just something that this uh, well, that this tool created of their own? Well, that's the thing. I think it's based on this this JM, JMES path, you know, which basically that query language. I don't know where it came from or never heard of it before. But, um, I mean, it, there's a specification for it. Um, you know, so they have the specification document. It's got all yeah, sorts of stuff in it. So, path tutorial. Yep, you can they have built-in functions like absolute values and averages and contains and all sorts Query of stuff. language for JSON. I mean, yeah. it, it kind of reminds me of like XML search for XML, but, you know, for uh, for, for JSON. I don't know if it's quite as, as robust as XML search. Because, you know, the whole reason I'm asking is it's like, okay, yeah, this is a cool VS Code extension. I'm kind of wondering, like, should I have the ability to do stuff like this in CFML? Just like in general when working with JSON documents. So, I mean, of course, in, in confusion, it's more probably just structs and arrays, but I'm curious if there would be a use case to have this kind of support in CFML just in general. Yeah, I mean, the grammar is specified using ABNF as described by IRC 4234. Um, I'm trying to see what's underneath it, but I mean, yeah, it's kind of interesting. There's got some libraries for it. So there's a Python one, a JavaScript one, Ruby, Java. So there we go. I see a, a Java implementation of it. So yeah. So I mean, that means that it would be and they're fully compliant to... too. So I mean, we should be able to tie into it. But yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty cool. I mean, there's some nice little features in there, and obviously, you know, we work with JSON a lot of the time now. It might be something pretty cool. So yeah. yeah, I mean, even if you don't want to use the VS Code extension, that jmespath.org has all the information about it. It's up on GitHub as well. Um, so there's all the different, you know, sites there as well. So they've got Ruby and, you know, Python and all that. So, but yeah. 
pretty cool. And so I've actually had that one and used it a little bit. And then I didn't realize you could do half the things it did until I was looking through it. And I was like, that's definitely something we should talk about. So, so yeah, so that's my, uh, visual code, you know, <laughs> hence tip and trick of the week. So try Jason transform. Um, it's only got about 13,000 installs right now, but five stars. So, uh, yeah, definitely go check that one out. That brings us to a close. Yep, we just got our Patreon supporters here. And you so, said we wouldn't have much to cover today. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew if you got started talking about CF Camp and uh, oranges and coffee and chocolate, you'd probably talk for a while. Oh, so. they had the orange juice machine, my friend. In fact, yeah. Mishi told me that the, the only reason he had it cause, was because I asked for it. So I had I had my share of glasses of freshly squeezed orange juice at CF Camp. Uh, it was so pretty you- good. They they love you. Well, you did do an extra session last minute, right? So uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and they didn't cram me in a sumo suit for, again. So I'm thankful for that. However, there were some slightly photoshopped pictures of me in a sumo suit as part of the uh, the intro to CF Camp and the opening remarks. Too funny. Too funny. Once it happens and goes on the internet, man, it never disappears. Yep, that's for sure. It's not Vegas, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What well, happens in CF camp comes back to hunt you every year. Yep, exactly. So what you need you to do is wear a sponsors? skinny. Yeah, you, should need, you need to wear a skinny sumo suit or something. It's <laughs> like I lost some weight. <laughs> Too much orange juice. <laughs> yep. So thank you, Andrew Davis, Brian White, Calvin Stanton, Dali, Dan Codd, Daniel Garcia, David Ballinger, Didier Lesnicki, Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Jan Yannick, Jeremy Adams, John Farrar, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamery, Laxma Tirahadi, Matthew Clemente, Richard Herbert, Samuel Knowlton, Scott Steinbeck, VJ, just VJ, and your guest Smether. And uh, if you want to see more and know how you can become a sponsor, please go to autosolutions.com slash about dash us slash sponsors. And uh, obviously we have a lot of different packages and we, Thank you, everybody, right? Our products wouldn't be the same without our supporters. And those of you who contribute with Patreon, we thank you. And those who contribute with uh, pull requests and, uh, you know, issues and everything as well, you guys all help out, right? Yep. I'm very thankful for the support you guys give us. All right. Well, until next time. Yep. Have a good one, everybody. Stay cool, Cold Fusion. Stay cool. <laughs> Bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.